Hey there, it's JVL on The Secret Show with Bill Crystal today. We talked about Joe Biden's memory and whether or not it's even possible for Democrats to come up with somebody else at this point and just how bad and crazy this moment in American history is. I'm, I'm just going to be flat straight with you. Uh, it's not a happy episode. Here's the show. Yesterday, and the special counsel's total exoneration of Joe Biden, which is somehow terrible news for Joe Biden because Trump can get indicted and it makes him stronger. Joe Biden gets exonerated and it's a disaster. And I, I, I feel like I'm living in a world that is totally upside down. And part of the problem is that we have to take all considerations of truth and morality and fairness and set them to the side, which creates cognitive dissonance because you think to yourself, well, hold on, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Joe Biden holds a press conference last night. He looks reasonably sharp to me. He, like, you know, beats up Peter Ducey in a sort of little funny exchange with him. You know, how bad my, my memory is so bad that I called on you, you know? Uh, and yet we we just have to put that aside. And, you know, he misses mix, mixes up what Egypt and Mexico for half a second. Trump, Trump just like, you know, doesn't know who Victor Orban is, as uh, mixing up Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley, all this stuff all the time. And nobody cares. So we just we just have it's the asymmetry. It's all I ever write about is asymmetry. Um, I guess just like tell me what you think of all this. So, A, I want to start with 30 seconds of optimism that the Senate has uh, got cloture on the uh, the support for Ukraine, Israel, and Taiwan bill. We might end up passing it, I think, next week in the Senate. I think it can get to the House despite the Speaker. And I think we may not abandon Ukraine, which really would be just an unbelievable disaster, uh, swamping almost everything, every other disaster, except losing democracy here in the U.S., which is even worse. But we'll get to, we'll get to that in a minute. So, I'm, that is the one piece for me of really good news is we get a kind of weird reversal, right? They they, they gave the Republicans the border, uh, the Republicans turned against the border, and then in a way you might end up with a, a bill that doesn't involve, include a lot of border stuff, some of which is pretty bad, honestly, and uh, just has a sensible uh, national security support for our allies. Okay, so that's the good news. Look, I think the asymmetry point is so important. You've made it t- before many times, but really you yourself have speculated on sort of how, how deep does it go, you know, and how much of a new moment is this? And I think, for me, this is what we are learning over and over and over. It is, when you have an authoritarian movement, and it's taken over one political party and threatens to, and some chunk of the country, and threatens to take over the country, I mean, things are different than they were. Truth is not, the normal back and forth of political debate isn't the normal back and forth. And I, I, and I was reading a little bit about this in the 20s and 30s, and again, not to go to the worst cases and so forth, but people sat around thinking, this is crazy. This is ludicrous. I mean, I have a rebuttal to this argument in Germany or Italy or, incidentally, the Soviet Union. I mean, it's not just right right wing, but left wing totalitarianism and authoritarianism. And it didn't matter. And I, I you do feel that sometimes in the current moment. Uh, and nothing is beyond the bounds on the on the authoritarian right. Tucker Carlson goes to interview. I mean, not interview, goes to have a friendly conversation with Vladimir Putin uh, and 
is not, so far as I know, as a single person who is a buddy of Tucker Carlson criticized him for doing that, saying, gee, the guy is kind of a, a murderer of his own citizens, his own journalists. Uh, a, a guy who's imprisoned American journalists, as has them right now in prison, and of course has launched an unbelievably criminal war against Ukraine and other things. And not a peep, except from you know us and, and Democrats uh, uh, criticizing Tucker. So the, the asymmetry, the total collapse of standards on the right, the collapse of the guardrails, because the guardrails depend on guardians. Uh, all, uh, but but again, the, the, the I, I kind of feel like we, well, kind of feel it. Mean, I really do think we're we're living through an authoritarian movement that is damaging and corrupting the country. What was your phrase right, way back in 2016? Trump, Trumpism corrupts and Trump, and, uh, Trumpism corrupts, corrupts everything yeah. it touches. Yeah, and it really is that it's just the, the depth of it. This is why we were, of course, anti-Trump. If I could just say for a second, I mean, people, why are you so never Trump? He's done some good things. He's got some issues you might even agree with him. Oh, liberals aren't perfect. We were anti-Trump because I do think this, we may have been wrong about a lot of things. This we were right about. Once you unleash this, it becomes added. It is allowed to uh, survive and prosper and take over one of our two major political parties, win the presidency, now going to be nominated for the third time by that party. It has does huge damage to the country. Yeah, it's a, you know, we talked a little bit about this the, the, uh, the other day. Just the fact of having the same guy nominated three times in a row by a party is so ahistorical for America, right? This is, you You would expect this in Bolivia, right? Or, you, and, uh, you know, and with no signs that he wouldn't be nominated for a fourth time, right? Uh, you know, if you, God willing, Joe Biden wins this. Uh, who is the odds on favor to be the Trump, the, the nominee in 2028 for the Republican Party? Donald Trump, <laughs> obviously, right? Um, but I don't, so what is the way to, what is the way to encounter this upside down world? Because my, I mean, my working theory all along has been, uh, well, let's just do it. I had thought early in the Biden term that the answer was that Biden should have gone full bore in an attempt to Trump proof America as much as possible. Meaning he should have turned DC into a state. He should have done whatever was necessary, broken the Democratic majorities if necessary to pass H.R. 1 and try to build actual guardrails, more guardrails into the system. Uh, Maybe, I I guess I'm not for packing the court, but, you know, like, I'll listen. I'll listen to packing the court arguments. Um, And uh, and Biden chose the sort of, I'm going to take the temperature down and we're going to return to normal. We're going to govern as if it's normal. And by doing that, which was like the Sarah Longwell idea, right? It was um, popularism, do popular things, govern well, make bipartisan deals and bring America back to a normal place. And that's what he's done. And he's been super successful at it. I think much more successful than anybody could have reasonably suspected. I mean, I, I just don't think anybody could could look at where we are now and have thought, yeah, no, this is, you know, Biden could, could have done all these things. The economy is fantastic, right, which is supposed to be dispositive in American politics. And, uh, you know, Trump Trump is stronger now than he was in either 2016 or 2020. So what... what, what, what so- 
I guess, first of all, what should have been done? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that is, we don't, obviously, we don't, we can't. Can't run, can't run the counterfactual. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the downside to what you're saying is you could end up trying to doing, let's call them radical things, uh, confrontational things to try to trump-proof the system. You wouldn't really trump-proof the system anyway, because once the Republicans yeah. won, won Congress, they'd roll some of it back. And once Trump, if he won in 20, if it alienated enough voters so Trump would win in 2024, of course, he would overcome a lot of these guardrails quite quickly. So that's the argument, I'd say, the limitations of, of the um, more radical approach. Not to say that some of those things, though, selectively done and, and explained and, you know, persuasively might have been wise to do. I do think there's some case for that. I mean, people treat Roosevelt in 37, the court packing is, what an idiot, I'm crazy, you know, and all this. First of all, it kind of worked. The court would famously switch <laughs> afterwards. And secondly, he wasn't like being just a willful guy who'd won a huge re-election. There was a little of that. But he, he actually, the court was stopping the New Deal and he really thought, okay, maybe I need to go for a more radical solution. He hadn't started off that way. So I think there's some truth to what you for arguing for. I think there's... You know, a lot of truth to the 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 more build a broad consensus. I don't know that he's done it quite. So he's governed pretty well on policy, or his administration has governed pretty well on policy, or policy's worked out pretty well. But I'm not quite as enthusiastic as you. But no, but but certainly a, a more like a B plus than a C minus. That's for sure. Um, but I would say two things: if you want the return to normalcy, um, you need to win in 2024. Obviously, that always should have been a key factor. And normalcy is not Joe Biden running for re-election. Now, here you and I have just always different. You think successful one-term president, you become you run for re-election. I think he is too old. He's evidently too old. He's getting older. You got a very good bench. You make do the handoff. It's a little complicated and messy, but I think it would succeed to the Whitmer Shapiro generation. And that is a return to normal American politics. Not having an 82-year-old, he gets a 77-year-old, it opens you up so much, leaving everything else aside, it opens you up so much to the third-party stuff and to people saying we need generational change and, and peeling off some of the non-Trump, the anti-Trump vote, say nothing about the things. So I guess that's where I think the return to normalcy uh, failed, or, or at least it's not as normal as one would like to think that he's running for re-election in this circumstance. Plus, incumbents are so unpopular. The country's gone so crazy. Everyone's so unhappy about things. Maybe they'll get persuaded the economy's better than they realize, but you know, maybe they won't. And it's just better not having an incumbent running. So uh, these governors who won in the swing states, I think, are the the, the normal, the really aggressive normal strategy. You know, the, the, the not so normal normal strategy would be find your best find your best governors put on a ticket in the key state best governors from the key states and let them defeat Trump in 2024. But at the end of the day, you got to be Trump in 2024. I mean, that's the key, and whether it's Biden or someone else. Um, well, here's the, I mean, I I have a couple objections to that, but one has always been that you can't just put Josh Shapiro and Gretchen Whitmer on the ticket. And that if by so Sarah and I talked about this last last week, and I, I'm interested in your take on this. Um, it is one thing to say if we could hop into an alternate timeline where Josh Shapiro is the nominee, that would be better. But what are the odds of that, right? I mean, realistically, let's dial it back to 2022 and say Biden gets out. I actually think the there's like a 60 percent chance that the nominee is either Gavin Newsom or Kamala Harris. And do you think either of those are preferable to where we are now? Because I, I don't. I think 60% is too high. I think a vigorous primary competition, which one of them won, over prevailed over Josh Shapiro and Buttigieg and everyone else, 
would be a yes. I think that candidate would have ended up stronger than Biden is now. Okay. And incidentally, I'm not convinced that Harris isn't stronger than Biden. And I say this is a big Kamala Harris doubter. I think all of us who are close to it and realize that, yeah, he's forgets a few days, but he's, he's okay. I, I think we're too close to it in the sense, in this, in the visual age and the TV age, being the TV's old fashioned, what do you call it, video uh, age of uh, seeing this uh, snippets on video. I just worry so much about, maybe I'm, I hope I'm wrong, incidentally. I hope that, you know, as the campaign progresses, people kind of calm down and they reelect Biden, assuming Biden remains the candidate. No, but I, I guess that would be my answer. I, my answer is normalcy is a healthy primary contest in which the party uh, selects someone who's 55 years old and they put together a ticket and it's not perfect. But I think that really does beat Trump in a way that I think Biden looks, it, it, it is more is harder. That's just my, 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 my unprovable theory. Yeah. And what about the, again, this is, this is weird because it's talking about fairness, which we shouldn't bother with, but so you do the split screen between Biden and Trump. It is not clear to me that Biden is any more disqualifiable in the, you know, if, if I am an observer looking at them and I have trouble, honestly, even putting myself in the mind of somebody who looks at the two and can't make up their mind. We, we got to see Trump as president. Right. I mean, it's not like like it's not a fresh face. Right. Normally, right. when you have an insurgent campaign against an incumbent president, it's a fresh face. You can project onto it whatever you want. We, we all saw it. Right. We all saw six percent unemployment and the stock market imploding like we were there. And you see him with his man, woman camera, Nancy Pelosi. I'm running against Nancy. All this other stuff. You put it again, just visual age, put them on a split screen together. It's not clear to me that Biden is appreciably worse but yet somehow, I guess everybody thinks Biden is appreciably worse because Trump has just always been crazy and always been a pathological liar and has always known nothing. You know, people are like, oh, Biden doesn't remember that Helmut Kohl is dead. Trump doesn't know who the fuck Helmut Kohl was, you know? <laughs> yeah, but as you say, he's insulated from that a little bit since he's been president. I mean, A, which is maybe wrong, but, you know, they say, well, he was president four years. So what if he remembers? He, he did okay. I mean, the degree to which they were able to whitewash his four years and and... What's the right word for that? Retrocon, a recon, that sort of thing. How is that possible? That was a big achievement of theirs, I've got to say, to all, for all that, you know, right-wing media is idiotic and stuff. They did a pretty, unfortunately, a pretty good job of that. Look, I want to make one thing. I don't think Biden's actually losing votes because people think he's old. I think his being old is such an excuse for all those people, we know some of them, who are in between, who don't are comfortable with the Democratic Party, who half buy some of the other arguments about immigration or whatever it is, this gives them a place to go that doesn't make them complicit, they would, they think, in Trump and Trumpism. You know, that, that for me, that's, it, it's an excuse. Now, maybe they'll find another excuse. I'm, I, I totally accept that point that, you know, they'll find an excuse to be against Gretchen Whitmer because something she did as governor of Michigan. They'll find an excuse, God knows, to be against Kamala Harris. And so I, I may be exaggerating just the importance of age as it is, but it's kind of a neutral excuse, you know. It's it's a good excuse for a certain type of voter to move away from 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 Biden because it's not, you know, it doesn't require engaging any of the things you just said. It just requires saying, well, obviously he's not up to it anymore. And I do think those of us who think he's done a pretty good job, and of course, strongly, 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 strongly prefer him to Trump, probably underestimate just the physical appearance thing, the shuffling, and so forth. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll we'll see what happens over the next 
few weeks and months. I still think, if they, uh, I think the shutting down of a contest, not having a vigorous primary, I feel like that would have rejuvenated in a sense, uh, re- re-energized the Democrats and the anti-Trump forces. The other thing I would say about Biden is he hasn't done as much as you, uh, I think as he could have to, to really make this a coalition of democratic forces. He's governed as a moderate Democrat in most ways, but there hasn't been a lot of explicit you know, Mitt Romney's in the White House. I'm going to, you know, you know, Tony Blinken's exhausted. Mitt Romney's going to be Secretary of State. Now, would that get a lot of Republican votes? Most Republicans hate Mitt Romney at this point. On the other hand, there are those for that 10, 12, 14, 15 percent who are gettable. I think that would say, OK, it's it, you know, this is the equivalent of FDR uh, taking Republicans in for Secretary of War and Secretary of the Navy in 1940. And it wasn't clear they really, you know, they were going to be great secretaries of war at the Navy, but they were competent and it showed, okay, we're going to wartime footing. There, I don't think, I think Biden's done a pretty good job in Ukraine and, and on Israel for that matter, but he hasn't sort of somehow in an FDR-like way, this is a, I'm a wartime president and I'm adjusting my normal way of doing things to take account of that. And I think that would help him because I do think people might get nervous about Trump given that these wars are going on. But as it is, as Sarah's focus groups show, they just say, well, there weren't these wars going on when Trump was president. I mean, it is it is awfully unfair. It is awfully unfair. You know, let's just blame the incumbent for everything we don't like about the current state of America and the world, and let's not give him credit for anything we do like. I was a very intelligent, upper middle class guy, quite well off guy actually, the other night at dinner with some other people, uh, and I mean, the degree to which on the border, he wasn't quite. He was repeating just. He made it sound like we were all like quaking in fear here in Northern Virginia that we couldn't go out because, <laughs> you know, because 5,000 people are coming across the border instead of 2,000. I'm not, obviously, there's some problems with 5,000 a day coming across the border. Incidentally, 5,000 a day come across the border for the rest of this year, America will be virtually unchanged. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's not a huge number in a country of 330 million. Most of them will be hardworking jobs and filling labor shortages and, you know, sending money back home to take care of their families and so forth. So the whole thing is nonsense, in my opinion, that whole thing, mostly nonsense. There are problems in the big cities and stuff, but the degree to which they've just, there the Biden administration, don't you think, has not done a good job. They either had to go, as you said a while ago, go right, you know, go in effect be tough on the border, go right wing if you want to simply, you know, say it too simply, on the border, or they had to fight back against the disinformation about the border. And they kind of didn't either for quite a long time. And I think the same on inflation, some of these other issues, they've been sort of passive from a kind of communications point of view. You either have to sort of give in basically and say, yep, it's very bad. And I'm doing the following to crack down on inflation, or it's not as bad as you think. And here's why. Is your view that it's too late to switch? And my view is that it's not. That's a very minority view. And I, I couldn't honestly, you know, g- give you chapter and verse about how exactly it would work out. I just have this general dislike here. I think you and I are very much in the same place for, for kind of a fatalism that says we can't do anything about anything. It's like, we can't, what would you expect the Republicans to do? Trump's, you know, for so popular, what do you expect anyone to do? I mean, it's, how long is it till the election? Nine, eight months? Nine months. Nine months. Enough time uh, to grow a baby. Yeah, nine months. It's a, quite a lockdown to the Democratic Convention. Yes, there are rules in place. It's hard to get on the ballot. Are those rules like in the Constitution? I don't think so. Could the Democratic National Committee change some of them? Could there, are write-in votes allowed? 
could Biden step aside and urge people to vote for his delegates and then urge his delegates to uh, you know, think about certain candidates? Could he could you have even referendum, formal kind of almost online referendum for certain, you know, about which candidates Democrats prefer? I think there are a lot of imaginative things one could do if Democrats felt they had agency. Uh, I've been thinking about that term a lot. I'll come back to that in a second. And, and anyway, so, but having said all that, I, I agree it's so unconventional where, I mean, it would have been incredibly much easier to guess if he stepped aside before the filing deadlines and, and all that. The agency, you've written about this a fair amount. I mean, what is going on in America? Everyone just watches these train wrecks happening all over the place and feels like they can't do anything. And I understand why, you know, quote, ordinary citizens feel they can't do much. Uh, they'll still not really just to try. But I know you talk to members of Congress, governors, it's all like everyone just in, in both parties, incidentally, right? They're all, they're all, they're, there is no feeling that, gee, maybe I should spend some time over the next weeks, months, year, you know, trying to do something about this problem. So in this respect, incidentally, I don't blame Biden. I mean, Biden didn't want to, wanted to run again. I think that was a mistake. But I also blame an awful lot of people who were unwilling to, to run against him, to even seriously explore running against him to go see him and tell him he shouldn't run again. I feel like James Carville and I said it, you know, whatever we're worth, but I mean, no one said what said it. My impression is no one actually walked into the Oval Office and had the guts to just look the president in the eye and say, sir, I really think you shouldn't run again, you know? I mean, uh, so there's a lack of agency all around, which is bad for a self-governing country, right? It's, uh, it's one of the symptoms of decadence, right? This yeah. is a... And authoritarianism, a successful authoritarian movement, erodes people's sense sense of agency. I mean, that's one of the main points of it, right? Right. You, you can't. Well, do should it. I mean, could you think? Well, we beat this guy twice. Why? You know, we we've already beaten. Him. Why is it still here? Why do we have to do this again? Right. Right. You feel like you're stuck in Groundhog Day. Right. Uh, all right. So uh, this is a cheerful conversation here. We need no, Sarah it's gonna back. Get worse. <laughs> it's going to get worse. No, I don't want Sarah back because, you know, at least you've read my newsletters. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, don't true. get upset in the comments. I see and you. Sarah, don't get upset. <laughs> yeah. She, um, no, she won't listen to this. More importantly, do, with all due respect to the commenters. <laughs> no, Sarah won't listen to this. Uh, so... The uh, Supreme Court hears the 14th Amendment case. Everybody seems deeply skeptical of it now and uh i guess we're just gonna we can't use this guardrail this guardrail is too terrible we'll use the next one i don't know like i I, what are your thoughts on this i mean i was always skeptical of this particular guardrail i guess just for i mean for actual reasons of constitutionalism and judicial role and so forth but um but I agree, it's kind of, a, I mean, I was a bit of a, I was a skeptic on it in the various, uh, I didn't really write about it, I'm not an expert, but uh, and in the but in the various groups I participated in, there were a huge number of people who were gung-ho for it, like huge number, a lot of people, and included a lot of you know, smart lawyers and serious, and what's amazing to me is, like the day after, the argument went badly at Supreme Court, they've got to throw it in the towel, right? I feel like, yeah. so I felt the argument was good three days ago, it's still a good argument. I mean, maybe the Colorado had a didn't have a you know Supreme Court class lawyer doing oral argument, but this is a problem too. The degree to which everyone just fades, you know, capitulates on everything. Now, I think got immunity. The Trump won't win that, and so the Supreme Court will kind of you know let him stay on the ballot, but not give him immunity. And maybe that DC case will finally move ahead after a couple of months of delay, and maybe that'll have an effect. That's the one case. But again, I, there is. 
That's so do you think adult. they'll deny cert on the immunity, or do you think they will hear it? Because I, I suspect they'll accept it, but then sit on it. I think they'll accept it. No, but I think they would. I hope they would hear it quickly and uh, and oh, no. let the trial happen in the summer. Uh, sitting on it really would be just uh, well. Again, I'm going to say something stupid. It would really be terrible. It would really be against the, the way the court should work. But of course, maybe depends what faith one has in sort of the Roberts swing justices, if there are some on the on the Supreme Court. So I don't know. We'll know that in about a week or two. So I'll have a little more sense of what the what the calendar looks like over the next months. Um, but yeah, I, they could deny sir because it's a, seems like a very strong DC Circuit opinion. They have nothing more to say, and if the majority agrees with it, why bother having a re-argument when they're just going to affirm it? The contrary case is, you know, it is kind of an important case. It's Trump. Usually, you expect a Supreme Court opinion on it. Maybe not. I've been skeptical that they would deny cert, but some of my friends who know much more about this than I do think they might just deny cert, in which case you could get a trial. Even then, you get a trial beginning around Memorial Day. I don't know. You, you, what do you think? You get a trial beginning Memorial Day? Is that, is that doable? I mean, could, can we imagine June, July? Trump and, and I mean my my legal friends say I say it can't really happen can it and now this is how the legal system works they don't care about the primary schedule the convention schedule it's, if it's a trial the judge has discretion but in this case she's made clear she wants to go to trial which she's giving Trump a day you know extended the the the, the beginning of the trial and you know for, for this delay for this stay so she's been careful to be proper in terms of Trump's ability to prepare his defense but She's going to go ahead, and June first, the trial begins. I don't know. Is that that's the upside? That's the most positive case now. You realize the negative yeah. case is like August first or something like that. So September first. Do you think it's possible? I, I feel like somehow that would be why the court would sit on it. Incidentally, if Roberts and those yes, people, yes, that's you can't, why. No, this is yeah, that's precisely why I, I think they would sit on yeah. it because they don't want a trial before the election. Yeah, and they they will tell themselves. We will affirm this decision after the election. Well, or and in so July, this way late we're, enough, we are, late enough that it can't really. Right. Work. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. We'll, we'll affirm this decision late enough that they can't have a trial. And this way we're getting the best of both worlds. We are clearly stating that we're holding Trump accountable, but we will uh, not let the trial influence the election at all. That's that. I mean, that just seems obvious to me what what they will do. Interesting. Until we get the worst. We, we we being America will get the worst of both worlds. Yes, as we do seem to do quite a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't. I mean, I've thought about that. Of course, but I hadn't. That's a good way of thinking about it, putting it. I would say it's like well, we're just being outraged though. So, so this Judge Cannon, whom Trump appoints right at the end of his term mm-hmm. and gets railroaded you know, ran through the Senate by soon <clears> to be <throat> the Associate Justice of the Supreme Court. Yeah, I mean. But seriously, she's doing things that are just. Uh, so I was on a couple of you know conference calls with lawyers and usual stuff, and I remember early on I said she seems like could she just really just delay this thing? And this is the most clear cut case. This is I'm sorry, yeah. this, this is the one the where you get to rights. This is a classified documents case uh, in Mar-a-Lago in Florida, and oh no, she can't do that. I mean, this is a circuit court above her, and yeah, you know, and she's a judge. She cares about the respect of her fellow judges. And I think I may have invoked you in saying that, you know, I don't know. We're in a different world. Why would I she mean, care about yeah, that? She, what she cares about is is the the, the respect or the, the praise, uh, the support of Donald Trump and 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 Trumpists, including Trumpists in the Senate and Trumpists in the private sector. 
And I remember having a very interesting discussion. Oh, no, you don't understand the mores, Bill, of the courts and the legal establishment. She won't be reputable. And, so, and I, I, this is where I come back. People have not internalized the power, the scope, the extent of the new Trump establishment, the new MAGA establishment. Tim was one of the first to, to, to write about this, right? And that these people are doing well. I mean, you're right. Judge Cannon, great. To the point of view of her self-interest, is Judge Cannon better off being one of many, you know, conservative-ish judges who, you know, does mostly the right thing about Trump and is just, you know, doesn't have huge allies on the left and is certainly is, and is attacked by all the Trump supporters? Or is she better off being one of the Trump, you know, a, 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 a key character in Trump world or a, a well-thought-of character in Trump yeah. world to whom they owe something. I think the answer is right now obvious. Now, two years from now, maybe if the whole thing is discredited, it won't be obvious, but they have all done well. Everyone, I mean, not all, but most of the people who have sold out to Trump have not paid a price. That's a huge, no. a huge problem for the last the seven years. The only people who've paid a price are the people who sign up to him, right? Yep. If you're Adam Kinzinger or Liz Cheney or Jeff Flake or any number right. of people, right? If you, if you were uh, Jim Langford, who, right. you know, in defiance of Trump, decided, I'm going to negotiate a good conservative Republican deal. Yet you pay a price for that, right? All and, that and matters same, same is what the, staff the, types, the right? strong and, man thinks. And again, it's it's all asymmetry because the same is not true for the other side. So if you are a normal judge uh, who, or you are a Democratic, you're a Democratic liberal judge, and you do things that are proper with the rule of law but things that are you know benefit yourself there is no no brass ring for you there's no prize for you for doing that and, you know merrick garland joe biden's not going to nominate you to the supreme court because you you did something that pleases him that's not it's a real problem hey again it's jvl the conversation goes on from there if you want to hear the rest of the show head on over to bulwark plus and subscribe we'd love to have you